Hello, and thank you for joining us for the Hatchbend Apostolic Church web broadcast. In our society today, some, and yes, sadly, maybe even most, question the value of preaching in their lives. But we still believe what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. In essence, Paul preached that God has chosen the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. And so that's why we still place such a high value on the preached word of God in agreement to the scripture. And so now I'd like to thank you again for joining us for a message from our pastor at Hatchbend Apostolic Church. If you have your Bibles and will join me in the book of James, I'm going to talk for just a few minutes uh, today from a very familiar passage. We're going to talk about a very familiar subject, and so we're not going to probably lose anyone in the context of what we're going to be talking about and dealing with this morning. So just let, uh, let your defenses down if you have any, and uh, let's let the Spirit of God touch our lives together. James 1 and 17, the Bible says, Every good and every perfect gift is from above, and cometh down from the Father of lights, with whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. Of his own will beget he us with the word of truth, that we should be kind, that we should be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. Wherefore, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath. For the wrath of man worketh not the righteousness of God. Wherefore, lay apart all filthiness and superfluity of naughtiness, and receive with meekness the engrafted word which is able to save your souls. Be ye doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. For if any man be a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is likened to a man beholding his natural face in the glass. For he beholdeth himself and goeth his way and straightway forgetteth what manner of man he was. But whoso looketh into the perfect law of liberty and continueth therein. If I can just pause right there. Verse 25. Whosoever looketh into the perfect law of liberty and continueth therein. He being not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this man shall be blessed in his deed. If any man among you seem to be religious and bridleth not his tongue, but deceiveth his own heart, this man's religion is vain. Pure religion and undefiled before God and the Father is this, to visit the fatherless and and widows in their affliction and to keep himself unspotted from the world. That's a... A little bit more reading than I normally do, but I want to um, really put us in this particular setting and not just look at it with our eyes, but consider it with our heart. And I want to talk about the Word of God in action, not just what we hear, not what we know to do, but I want to talk about what we actually rise up and put our hands to and accomplish. I think finding meaningful work is very important. Because I think it's important for an individual to enjoy whatever it is that they're doing. I've, uh, I have worked a few jobs in my lifetime, and uh, only one of them that I can truly say was a miserable, miserable experience. I really had no other choice but to do what uh, I needed to have. I needed to make a living. I was married, and there I had been laid off another job, and uh, due to circumstances that I had nothing to do with, but I couldn't just stand around twiddling my thumbs I had to get busy and uh, and so I had to take a job that promised uh, all sorts of things and uh, one of the things that they promised would be no more than 50 hours a week and uh, on on I had to work there several weeks and this particular week on the on the fifth day I was at 86 hours with more days to go I thought you know this just really isn't working out and uh it was just a miserable, miserable experience. And so uh, from that, I, I learned a valuable lesson very early on that it's really important that you enjoy what, what it is that you do. Now, I do know this, and, and most of you are certainly in, in an adult class understand this, that no matter what you do, at some point and some days, it is really, really, really work. <laughs> no matter what you do. You may have one of the most enjoyable jobs. I think that sometimes we... Uh, especially in our youth and our innocence, look at certain fields of labor and just think, now oh, that would just be the most incredible thing. 
I mean, who wouldn't want to be a steward or a stewardess and just fly all over the world? When you think about that from the ground, that just seems wonderful, that you're just in all points. But if you, if you fly a little while, you begin to realize that, that in just a little bit, that would be probably a very miserable life. And um, for one thing, when you see them walking through the, the airport and you see that little little suitcase they're traveling with, I don't know how they pull it off because I couldn't spend one night with just that few of items. And, uh, and neither could you, even the quiet ones here. <laughs> so I don't know how they pull it off. And uh, to think how they're cramped conditions and on and on and on. So I think it's important that you enjoy doing what you do. And as long as you enjoy what you're doing to some degree, uh, it is not a job. It's a pleasure to be able to get up and do that. I've experienced, as I said, both ways. And uh, those things that you love, those things that you detest. And I'm, con- I'm going to tell you that it's a lot easier to do the things that you love, those things that come natural. And uh, I think it's important. So James makes this distinction between the roles and the responsibilities that we have in church. And I think it's important that we find some place where we fit and then allow God to allow allow God to uh, cause us and help us to grow and come into fruition or whatever that may be. What we do in the kingdom is very important. James makes this distinction between doing on one hand and just merely hearing on the other hand. Now, I, I know it may be obvious, but James is is not speaking against hearing the word because hearing the word is very, very important. In fact, we need to hear the word because that's where our faith is born. It's the word of God. And so don't ever fall out of love with the word of God. In whatever venue that comes to you in, whether that's your daily Bible reading or or the preaching of the word of God, the teaching of the word of God, um, don't don't put yourself in such a position that it has to the word has to be coming packaged just one way that you will only receive the word from a veteran speaker and not from a novice because, you see, everybody at some point has to begin. And so uh, and all of us had a point of beginning in our life, and so you, you have to learn. And so in that learning process, you can still receive something because the word of God is a living seed. It's alive. And so it, it, may, it may come from the lips of a veteran minister of the gospel who knows just how to assimilate that word, break it down, put it in our lives, make it make sense, put it on the middle shelf where everybody can reach it. Or that word may be coming from uh, the terrified heart of a young person who is speaking before some uh, an audience for the very first time. No matter how it's packaged and all points in between, the word of God is the word of God. And I want to have a love for that word of God because that's where my faith is born. And so I don't want to ever get tired of hearing it. Paul said to the church at Rome, so then faith cometh by hearing. And so it's that preached word of God that began to build faith in our heart, your heart and mine. And when we really didn't even understand all there was to understand and that we didn't have any clue of what we even know about God's word today. But that came through the hearing of the word. And so he doesn't have a problem with hearing the word of God. We might uh, even argue today in our culture, certainly in, 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 in our Western society, how uh, that, that there are many people that are not hearing the true word of God. There's so many things that are coming across packaged as the word of God. So much that is watered down, such a substitution for the infallible word of God. And so there is a need for hearing the word of God. We need to let the word be heard. Let it be taught and preached in love, of course. But we need to be direct. We need to. No one needs to. Uh, no one needs to question in their mind what we're what we're getting at. We we are inundated today with the prosperity gospel, and I know you've heard this over and over and over that you just have faith, and God will take care of all of your problems. And if you'll just do this, then not only will you have wealth, but you'll have health. And not only will you have health, but you'll have wealth. And and nothing ever is going to go wrong in your life. And we understand that that's just simply not true. It's just simply not true. That's not how. That's not how life works. That's not how. God works, it's not how the kingdom operates. And so here is a tragedy that we find in that is that there is some gospel truth mixed up in that message. Mixed within that message, there, there is some truth because he said that he would that we would be in good health and prosper even as our soul prospers. And so we know there is some good and some truth that's mixed into that. 
But along with the truth, there is also a severe mixture of greed and materialism, and, and, and it's not a real true glimpse of the Word of God. A more accurate glimpse of the Word of God is what Job had to say when he said, Man is a few days in full of trouble. And we understand that to be true, that life is filled with trouble. And, and just because you see someone wearing a smile does not necessarily serve as an indicator that they have never had a bad day or never had any tragedy befall their lives. As a matter of fact, I, I, my wife and I have recently talked about this in recent days, how, how we've had the privilege to meet people that uh, through the years that, that we have admired and, and uh, we've admired them not only as an individual but uh, their ministry and what God has helped them to accomplish. And then as you get to know them a little bit better, you realize that they have some severe scars in their lives and some real stories to tell. And, and when you only look at them from the audience... When you only see them on the stage and the lights and the bright lights, you just assume that everything in their life is well, but it's not true. Man is a few days and full of trouble. And so we never know what someone may be wading through just to be able to be right where they are at that particular point. So hearing the Word, we need to hear the Word of God because that is what's going to help me become a disciple. Uh, James takes issue with those who just never get beyond that first step, just hearing the Word of God. The problem comes when we hear the word of God, but then we do nothing about that. We fail to act on that. I want to tell you something about church. Church is not like anything else that you'll ever do. This is not like going to a ball game. This is not like uh, going into a restaurant. This is not like going to see a play or a drama. This is not a spectator sport where you just come in and fold your arms and just kind of watch everybody else carry on and... Uh, and and uh, we critique whatever is uh, we feel like is not just exactly right. We grade this and score that. But you see, when we come into the house of God and the word of God is shared, some responsibility is going forth right now. There's responsibility that's being placed upon your shoulders and mine right now. And so we, we've got to understand the gospel comes with its weight. And gospel comes with, uh, gospel comes with some sobriety and seriousness. I've got to embrace this because I'm going to have to do something about what is being shared with me. And so we may enjoy the message. We may enjoy the messenger. Uh, we may enjoy the presentation but you see, if the message makes no difference in our life, then we're missing the whole point. We didn't just come here to come here. We didn't just show up to show up. If we hear the Word of God and just simply thinking that hearing the Word of God is enough and that's living for God, then, then James said we deceive ourselves. So when we come together on an occasion like today, we've come to worship the Lord in song Worship the Lord in testimony. Worship the Lord through giving. We're going to worship the Lord through the preaching of His Word and receiving of that Word. And it's supposed to bring about a change in us. A change. I understand that change often is incremental, but it's very important change. Someone, we were uh, visiting some friends out of state a few weeks ago and... and uh, as as complimentary as and as kind as this man was trying to be and wanted to be, and he said, "You know, brother Boyd, I, I'm going to tell you, you haven't changed. You haven't changed since you were here preaching the first revival, and that was 1986." <laughs> now I want you to know, my ego was tapping on my shoulder, saying, "Say Amen, say Amen, say Amen." <laughs> But there was a reality that was standing over here that said, you obviously haven't looked through a photo album in a long time, in a long time. And, uh, <laughs> and, and so we, we had to realize that change is incremental, but change happens to us all. And so we look back, and uh, my wife, uh, not long ago, someone was sharing a picture, and she, she looked at me and smiled. She said, who is that dark-headed man holding that microphone? And uh, we were both a little perplexed there for a little while. And so change, though it is incremental and though it, uh, it, 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 we may leave some services where we, do, we don't really feel like the earth just moved under us. Or we may hear a message that, and we don't feel like that, you know, we, we just got three or four pages of, of notes from that message where we took something home. We may falsely assume that nothing happened. 
But nothing could be further from the truth because something did happen. There was some responsibility. And even if what is shared is something that we already know, if it was not informational, it should underline and underscore and countersink some points. And so I will tell you today that if your faith has not already been tried, then hang on. Because, this, you see, the devil may not come against you with a freight train. He will settle for just pulling away one thread at a time, away from the fundamental doctrine that, that holds you to just one thread at a time. And so some people think, well, I haven't given anything up. And, and that's because you're looking at the whole. You're looking at the, 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 uh, the in, it, in its entirety. But the enemy will take just one thread, just one thread at a time. Amen. And so if the enemy can pull one thread at a time, I want to tell you that the good master can weave in one thread at a time. And in that weaving, there's something that's made. There's something that comes to life. Uh, you know, I've mentioned this before. Brother and Sister Corin uh, have, uh, from their own testimony, spent most of their married life enjoying a common hobby of putting together puzzles and so in their home, they have a table and, and two chairs that are just designated as their puzzle table. And they will work on, I mean, they're not afraid of any puzzle. I'm not talking about puzzles that have about 10 pieces and voila, you got it. I'm talking about puzzles that they work on for weeks and even months at a time. And it just, it makes no sense. And, and I, I've been to their home and I've, <laughs> did I miss them? No, 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 I'm, I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah. I hope you're listening as intently about everything. <laughs> Almost like a bunch of attorneys in the house. Point of order, point of order. <laughs> we're we're more, normally a little more professional than this, Sister McGuire. <clears throat> what I meant to say was this. <laughs> that sometimes standing at that table, you can... You're looking at the box and then you see what's on the table and it makes no sense. You can just see an edge and a border and, 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 and but, but closing in on it one piece at a time, just one piece at a time. And after a while, they're doing something. They're going somewhere. And so if I could present to you today uh, the gospel and that's in that analogy as simple and elementary as it is it may seem like at times it makes no sense and and it's just a border and there's so much missing but I promise you that coming to the house of God if nothing happens but just one more tiny piece of the puzzle is snapped in place I'm not talking about loosely thrown onto the table I'm not just talking about just slid up in some corner in an arbitrary way, but if someone can snap that in place, and here's what we must do. We must take these pieces, and when we get one area of our lives settled down, I'm going to tell you something from a pastoral point of view. I'm going to pastor for just a few seconds here. You ready? Buckle in. When you get something snapped in place, you need to nail that down good enough that you say, I won't have to visit this again. I'm going to get this nailed down. And I won't have to come back to this again because people who can never mature in the Lord are those that are always having to revisit fundamental issues, things that we should have settled that long, long, long ago. Amen. I want to get, I want to get those things nailed down in my life. I, when the enemy comes along trying to test my faith, try my faith, and all of those things, I just want him to know one thing. That is secure. I'm not backing up. I'm not going anywhere. There's no hesitation in my voice. There's no hesitation in my spirit. I'm going to move forward. And so let that incremental change bring about large changes in our life ultimately. And so we can't continue to come into the presence of the Lord and hear his voice, hear his word, and then walk away unchanged or unchallenged by the word of God. You've heard me say this hundreds of times. I believe that we ought to come to church and feel better about ourselves when we leave. I, I really believe that. I, I, that's not just something I say with my lips. That, I, that is a passion that I feel in my heart. That we need, to be, we need to feel uplifted. We need to feel encouraged. We need to feel edified, to use a good scriptural word there. But in all of that, I don't mean, I, I don't, don't take away from that, that what I'm saying is that we ought to just be so syrupy behind the pulpit that, that we're just saying all is well, all is well, there needs to be times that we are challenged by the Word of God. And don't let that challenge prick in us a bad spirit. 
But just when we hear something that I'm going to tell you that as a preacher, I want you to know that I need preaching. I say this all the time. And I've heard preaching that really got under my skin. It got really, really, really close to where I was living. Now, that's, you know, I could just fold my Bible and say, well, they don't know what they're talking about. Or either I can say, I'm going to let that challenge me. And I'm going to rise to that. I'm going to, I, want to, I want to be more than I've ever been for God. In order to do that, I've got to be susceptible to change, moldable, and pliable in the hand of God. Amen. So there's that weight and the responsibility. There is, that, there is something to do when I leave here. I've got to do something about this. Later, James says this in this same letter in, uh, in chapter 4, verse 17. He said, Therefore, to him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not. To him, it is a sin. And so there's something about that revelation that comes. And you know what? Whenever, whenever God begins to reveal himself to you, and when he reveals himself to me, we, it's decision time. It's decision time. I've got to figure out what I'm going to do about this now. Because you see, a moment ago it wasn't a sin, so to speak, just to stay right here with this verse, because I didn't know. But now I know, and now I am responsible and so from this point forward, I'm going to have to do something about that. And so that's why we have to understand that church is not just a, a form of entertainment, but something supernatural has taken place. Even at this very moment, something supernatural. The Word of God going forth, not for the sake of taking up space or taking up time or filling a spot in our schedule, but we're gathered here today not just to soothe our conscience, but we're coming in to say, Lord, I want you to help me to reach for a higher a higher place in you. And so hearing the word of God affects us. It affects us in many ways. And one of the ways it affects us is in this regard, what am I going to do about this now? Not, ne- not necessarily what we do in this building is really having church. Now, I, I've been really misunderstood through the years. And to think, for people to think that I am minimalizing corporate worship. Nothing could be further from the truth. If you think that about me, I will say this, you don't know me. Because nothing is more important than the church. But you see, the truth of the matter is that we spend very little of our lives in this building. For the sake of making a point, let's just consider... Uh, today something a, a little bit maybe hypothetical but let's consider only those who would maybe be very involved in the church and its ministries and I'm not just talking about just showing up for corporate services okay I'm talking about those that come every Sunday every Wednesday but they're also involved in things like outreach and youth and children's ministry and Various other things that go on throughout the week. I'm a little reticent to mention uh, some for the fear that I'm leaving something out. But whatever you may be involved in throughout the week. Now, I I could be wrong in this, but I I was trying to be real fair in my assessment of this (coughs) early this morning when I was putting this together. But if we were very involved, counting the time that we are here in our corporate services and then the average amount of time that we may spend at some of our outreach ministries and various other things, do you know that, that the very involved would probably, on average, only spend somewhere around eight hours a week? So let's just, for fairness, let's bump that to ten. And let's just be generous. There are 168 hours in a week. And so... <clears throat> is someone that would consider themselves very involved. If we compare that 168 hours, even at 10, you're, you're still only around, I'm not trying to get this to the exact, but you're, you're still only around 6% of your time that is spent right here. And so is it any wonder then that we are in an uphill battle? It is no wonder. And we're talking about people that are truly involved in every conceivable way. And so it's obvious that these numbers would drastically change for those who attend church just every now and then or for those who only come on Sunday or for those who only do this or only do that. And I'm not being unkind. I'm trying to give us a real prism to look through. And, and, and so 
the fact is this, that all of us are called to ministry. I've been very open about that through the years. Over the years, the church, I think in general, I'm not just talking about this church, but the church in general has not really done an adequate job of teaching this principle because I think that we are all called to ministry, every, every last one of us. I know there are people that, uh, that are ordained ministers and have a pulpit ministry. I serve in that capacity. But some people feel like that we're just going to leave the ministry up to the professionals. We're going to leave that up to the, the to the guys who are, or, or the ladies who really do that. I, I think there certainly are those who are called to to those specific things, but I don't think that diminishes the fact that we have all been called to be doers of the word. We are called and created in God's image, and therefore that extends to every one of us, and it brushes up against the heart and the life of every one of us. So we have to do what we can to further the ministry of the kingdom of God. Now, I I know that sometimes tangible, literal things need to be done around the church, and so I want to be very specific, and I don't want to minimize anything that people do uh, here at our church. And if you know me, you know that I wouldn't be uh, certainly critical of the things that you do because we appreciate that. But ministry is not necessarily cutting the grass. (laughs) They're my good friend and loyal compadre here. Now, we need that. Ministry is not necessarily painting the walls. We need somebody to do that. So I I don't want you to think, well, what I'm doing could be called ministry. I want to talk about really touching people's lives, really making making a difference, and all of these things are must. We we need to have that. I, I promise you... Uh, that you may not even think anything about the grass being cut, but if we go a few weeks without it, you're going to be getting out wondering who in the world is in charge of this. <laughs> Somebody changes that these bulbs are not perpetual bulbs. They don't just stay on. A, they seem perpetual because they're always on when you get here, but somebody changes those. Somebody, somebody works to keep all this alive. And so, But we must minister through work and deed, and we must minister to individuals, whether it's obvious ministry or are a little more subtle. Uh, we minister directly and indirectly. For instance, when you visit someone in a hospital, a nursing home, or, or whatever it may be, that's direct ministry. You're touching them. You're, you're maybe literally touching them. You're in their presence. When you support missions, as I was talking about a moment ago, an offering that not only do we, are we taking pledges through, and do that throughout the year, but we're talking about specifically this morning a, a global missions effort, I Am Global. And so when you do that, that is ministry, but it's an indirect ministry. Thank goodness you get to give and you don't have to go. And so it's an indirect ministry. And so we should never doubt that that's ministry. And so for many people, our greatest opportunities of ministry uh, may come as a part of our everyday lives. And there's that subtle, hidden ministry that God has blessed us. You may think that your occupation and in your daily activity where you spend the most of your time that you're only this, fill in the blank, whatever you do, whatever you are. And so for many it's your job and it, it's how you provide a living. It's how you keep bread in the cupboard and beans on the table. Maybe some, uh, and certainly a part of our church are students and, and uh, maybe they think, well, that, that's all I do. That's what I am. I, I just go to school or I just go to college. But you see, we don't realize, or if we're not careful, we won't realize that our job is not just a means to an end. God didn't give us a job just so we could have a means to an end. But I believe God placed us where we are so that we can be a light and have an opportunity to minister to people. And we can do that whether we are a teacher of a classroom or a student in a classroom. And no matter if we are the supervisor on a job, if we're just an employee employee on that job. And so those opportunities are right there for us. Many vocations are represented here today within our church. And so no matter what you're calling in life, God has given you that platform, that opportunity. And as we relate to others that we work with, Uh, There are all kinds of opportunities that allow us to put the Word in action. And that's what I'm talking about today. Not just having the Bible as a book that we have possession of or something that occupies a place on the shelf in our library or in our home, but we want the Word in action. For a long time, for a long time now, as a church, we have uh, have been in in the mode, I'm talking about again the church at large, the mode of just leaving the ministry up to people that we deem in the ministry. We have the idea that that ministry is something that's done in church and only in church, but that just doesn't sound right. 
In truth, most, most ministry takes place outside of church because by and large, most of the people you know are not even here today. Most of the people that you know don't even attend this church. Is that right? And so in truth, then, ministry takes place outside of the church. If for nothing else, it would be the fact that I mentioned a moment ago that we only spend about 6% of our time here. And so if we don't take ministry outside of these walls in our minds and literally, then we are failing in the mission. Also, the majority of the people that, that are in need of ministry, for the most part, spend almost 100% of, the, of time out of church. And so we must make sure that we bring the church to them. On May the 4th of 2008, we changed our ministry approach as a church. We omitted, for some, to some degree, our Sunday evening service, but it was not in an effort to have less church. It was not in an effort to appease busy schedules. It was not in an effort so we could just kind of make life easier on other people. Anyone who looks at our, our church schedule and, and just reaches that conclusion has grossly missed the point, whether they are a member or just someone that looks in from the outside. We combined our morning services for one thing. We combined our morning and our evening services and so when you do the math, we have almost as much church at one time as we used to have in morning and an evening service. And so this freed up our Sunday afternoons and our Sunday evenings to give us a different approach to church ministry. At the conclusion of our morning service, you have often heard me say, especially in those uh, embryonic years of, of change, you would hear me say something like this. As we dismiss our service, I would say, okay, now we have had church. So let's go be the church. We've had church. Now let's do something about that. Let's take what we have and in some way, some form, some fashion. I didn't say that arbitrarily. I wasn't trying to come up with a little slogan to end our service. I meant that as literal as you can define it. And so if we were to look at the before and the after picture of the ministry by way of a mathematical analysis, so to speak, and I'm not trying to get out here too far, but you would see that we're not having less church. In fact, we're having more church. And uh, if I just used a number, and I realize this is a little bit idealistic, but just let me use this for the sake of an illustration. If I just use the number 150, and so if we had 150 people here on a Sunday and if 150 people came to church and we just stayed here one hour and go home, we would have one hour of ministry to our credit. Okay? Now, in an ideal world, if we could send that same 150 out and that same 150 place their hands in the field of battle somehow, some way, in some fashion to engage themselves into ministry. And it doesn't have to be just a jail ministry, prison ministry, assisted living, or a nursing home. It could be going to the home of a shut-in. It could be going to the hospital on a Sunday afternoon to visit somebody or in the home uh, to visit someone who may be discouraged or a phone call to someone who may be discouraged. And so if we were to just take that same effort it may be teaching a home Bible study. It may be having a few people over to your home and not to talk about all the things that are wrong in the church, but to talk about some positive things and good things that we can encourage people along the way. Now, if we had that same 150 out doing something of that nature for just 60 minutes, that means that we didn't just have one hour of ministry, but now we've had 150 hours of ministry. I realize I'm speaking in idealistic terms. But do you get what I'm saying? We can't just hear this and get up and do nothing about it. Just pack up our children and fold our Bible and, and all load up and say, well, we went to church today. We've got to do something about this. We, we just heard somebody preach about a gospel that can change a sinner's life. Someone has just taught or preached a message about what God and His anointing can do to someone who's bound by sin and habits. And so are we just going to take that home and maybe we're not even bound by those things. Maybe we, we have already got a testimony where God delivered us of that. But what are we going to do with that? 
We have a responsibility to put the Word of God in action, to put the Word of God in action. And I, I, I don't want to highlight one thing and minimize something else because I think no matter what you're doing, if you are part of the, 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 the men on a team that will leave here in, in a few hours and go to our county jail, and sometimes we are, uh, sometimes they're in a pod. Sometimes we have gone from cell to cell upstairs and literally just put your hand through the, the bars, the literal bars, and, lay, and just join hands. That's the best you can do and pray for someone. If you're doing that or if you're in someone's home having pie and ice cream, one is not more effective than the other. If we, take, if, we, if we change the complexion of someone's day, I'm going to tell you that you don't always have to have a Bible in your hand to change somebody's life. You may be able to do that with a fresh baked pie to be able to show up and say, I've come to bring you something to encourage you, to help you to know that somebody's thinking of you and somebody loves you. It's very, very meaningful. And, and, um, and, and Sister Boyd and I try to be as low maintenance as we possibly can, but there have been times that we have both been sick at the same time and, 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 and people have just come over and, and, and brought a, a meal. And you know what? To be on the receiving end of that, it meant a whole lot. And if you think I'm hinting for another meal, I'm not necessarily. <laughs> Altogether, 100% doing that. I'm teasing. But you see, you didn't come with a Bible, but, but you did come with a ministry. You did come to help. You did come to, to do something. And you know, uh, every month, these that show up at our, at our food bank to give people that, that, that need something, would there be somebody to take advantage of a system? There's somebody to take advantage of any system. But do you know what it means to look into the eyes of a grandmother who just, and I don't mean to be unkind, but a grandmother who just got stuck with three or four grandchildren because they didn't want them to go into the system, they don't know how they're going to feed them. What a privilege to be able to take those groceries and say, here, God bless you in the name of Jesus. God bless you to be able to do that. I mean, in the last months, well over 100 families were ministered to through this extension alone. God bless them for that effort. And so is, is that having the church? No. That we're, are we in the building? No, we're not even close to this building. There's no one singing in the background. There's not a choir. There's no music playing softly. But are we reaching into the heart of someone? Yes. Yes. And so we must realize the value of what we're doing. And so... It changes, it compounds the ministry effort of a church. We're putting the Word of God into action. And, uh, and again, I'm not trying to speak in too idealistic terms because I, 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 I get it. If all people here, I get it. But uh, I'm going to tell you that whatever you do, it honors God. If we can honor God, if we can build up rather than tear down, if we can help make someone's life better, it, it is a ministry of some sort. You may feel like what I'm doing is nothing, but you have no idea the weight of that card. You know, uh, Sister Richard's here, and I, I'm really trying to avoid doing this. I really am. <laughs> But Sister Richard sends out uh, the, the cards that says, we prayed for you. And, and, and I, I'm just kind of knocked over, but I don't even know who she sends them to. And so, and, and so I meet people at various times. But there is one pastor in our district who has been battling cancer for quite some time. And I never see him, ever, ever, ever do I see him that before he even gets to me, tears are streaming down his face. He said, I've got to know one of your the cars. I got it last week or I got it this week. I, and I just want to tell you, just thank you, thank you, thank you. And, and, and I, I don't know, Sister Richards, how she feels every day when, when she's writing that out. Is this even going to get to its intended target? When you put that stamp on there and write a little short note, we're praying for you. Is this even mattering? Does it even register? Yes, somewhere, somewhere that lands, it hits its target. And that is as vital... That is as vital as what anything else we would ever do in this church because it is putting the Word of God into action. I received a letter from someone the other day that had received one of those cards and said, I'm not even sure where this is coming from, but I just wanted to say thank you. And so I wrote them back a letter and I said, I just want you to know something, that that card was not just randomly sent. Somebody really did pray for you. No, nobody just 
stuck that in the mail. We're not just trying to do something for the sake of doing it. But somebody really called your name in prayer. And somebody really thought about you today. My, my, my. The Word of God in action. I have a letter on my desk. If I had thought I was getting into all this, I would have brought it with me today. But I just feel to share this with you. We met a man several years ago who is in prison. And I'm just, I'm, it's, it's more or less an adult crowd, so I'm just going to be pretty blunt here. But many years ago, many, many years ago now, and it wasn't even in the ranks of Pentecost, so you don't even have to think about all that, but there was, a, there was somebody that, it doesn't even matter. <laughs> there was somebody that came to hold a revival in a city in this state who, who wasn't altogether what they should have been. And while they were there, they had an affair with a lady in the church and she got pregnant with a child. And so this baby was illegitimately born, sadly, but then adopted by another, another denominational minister and his wife adopted this baby and abused him all of his life. So then he winds up with a life sentence. Not because he was framed. Not because he was innocent. He would be the very first one to tell you that I made some terrible mistakes in my life. But he didn't have a real good beginning. And he didn't have a real good feel of Christians. But I got a letter the other day. And he said, I just want to tell you something. He's been, he's been transferred out to another institution now. And he said, I just wanted to say something. He said, I've been watching you and your, the, the men of this church for eight years, eight and a half years. And he said, I've been watching for flaws. I've been watching for kinks in the armor. I've been trying to catch y'all doing wrong. And he said, I just want to thank you because I really do see that Christ is the answer. Christ is the answer. <laughs> He's never been unkind to us. I know him as well as you could possibly know someone. In that, in that particular situation. And he has not ever missed a service. He's not ever missed a study. For one thing, he is, is uh, uh, Todd, what do you call it? Orderly? An orderly there in, in the chapel. And so he works there. And so that's how we have communication with him. And so he doesn't just see us behind the pulpit. He doesn't just see our guys behind the, scene, uh, behind the desk. He sees them behind the scenes. And so what a compliment. So I made copies of that letter and I gave it to the men who go. I said, I want you to know you're making a difference. You're making a difference. You're making a difference. And so I, we just got to put the word in action. We got to put the word in action. And pardon me for getting into those things. But uh, you see, uh, we got to think about what we do every day at work, at our home, in our community, at church, wherever we may be. If a person in those situations acted honestly and, and, and if they were kind and, and if people treat you well, don't they make a difference in your life? Sure they do. And somebody, if a person in, in these settings, if they're a person of faith, if they're a person of prayer, a person of integrity, if that's someone who genuinely has a concern for others, they, they're difference makers because people know whether or not you're just playing or whether or not you really care. They, they know they can read right through our facade. If there was someone that uh, in, in that setting that others could depend on, if that person is someone that, that if you had a problem, you could go to them and you could share your heart and you know your business is not going to wind up in the street tomorrow or, or, or on social media of some sort. I, I, you, if you really have a great appreciation for somebody like that that could still love you through your peril and love you through your pain and love you through your problems because we're not always at our best. Amen. So our calling and our ministry is to be that person that people can count on. Amen. If you haven't thought of your occupation as a ministry before, I want you to, to do so. 
If you haven't thought about what you're doing daily could be a contribution to the kingdom, I challenge you to do that. And you know, sometimes, and I, I don't want to get too wild and paint with too broad a brush here, but you know, sometimes, sometimes before we pray for God to really get us out of where we are, we may be right where God needs us to be, and the enemy of our soul may know that better than anyone. And so before we pray for God to just move us out of that office or out of that department or out of that vocation, we may need to say, I don't want the enemy to frustrate what God is trying to give birth to. I may be here for just one person. I may be here for just one. And if that is the case, then I want to give everything that I have. I don't want you to think that in any shape, form, or fashion that that's some kind of guilt trip to come your way because I know that we all want to strive for betterment and things of that nature, but we shouldn't be so quick to just have a knee-jerk reaction to trouble and problems because sometimes the enemy would love nothing more than to get your Holy Ghost filled life baptized <laughs> amen he would love to have your 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 uh, yourself out of that office or out of that place of business because he knows the light and the effectiveness of your light and how it can shine and so I pray that God would help us and so as we think about that in this next week as we go through our day to day routines we need to think about ministry opportunities maybe God put me in this situation for this particular time and I'm going to tell you, you don't have to jump up on the counter in some restaurant to preach. Matter of fact, I would really prefer you didn't do that. If you do that, don't leave any church cards. Please, don't do that. Don't. Please be independent if you do that. If that is your, if that is your M.O. But we just need to be aware that here's an opportunity. I may have an opportunity to touch somebody's life, to change their life, to be able to speak kindly to them, to be able to speak respectfully to them. And so to be aware, aware of our surroundings. And, and so what will that mean? What will that mean? I, I, I imagine you could tell me better than I could tell you, but, but it will affect the way you do your work. When you think I'm doing this for Jesus, I'm going to do this for the Lord today. It will affect the quality of your work if you're doing it for the Lord. It will affect the way you're treating people if you're doing it for the Lord. It will affect the way you react to people who are hurting and, and people who are going through a tough time. It will change the prism that you look through if you think, you know, I'm doing this for the Lord. It will affect your understanding of just what your, your calling and your occupation is all about. And so I invite you to think about that as we leave this building and go back into if you would pardon me for saying it this way, the real world. The real world. From time to time, I enjoy reading a passage of Scripture to you from the Message Bible. And so I'm going to read our text to you, not all of it, but I'm just going to read James 1, 22, 23, 24 from the Message Bible as we conclude. Here's what James is really saying in shirt sleeve language. You ready? Don't fool yourself into thinking that you're a listener when you're anything but. Letting the word of God go in one ear and out the other. James says, act on what you hear. Those who hear and don't act are those are like those who glance in the mirror, walk away, and two minutes later have no idea who they are or what they look like. Don't be fooled into thinking that we can just come in here and this is of no consequence. That we're just going to dismiss in a few minutes. We're all just going to turn out the lights. We're all going to go our merry way and we'll see you Wednesday. And it's all going to be just that easy. It's anything but. We've got a responsibility today. Do you know that if you have never heard anyone preach from this particular subject in this particular fashion until today, do you know that you're accountable from this moment forward because you're never going to be able to say I didn't know because now you know now you know we have a tremendous responsibility to impact our world and sometimes as one writer said in waiting for those world changing opportunities to come along we miss the opportunity just to buy someone a cup of coffee 
And so don't wait for that world-changing opportunity. Look for that subtle opportunity of just saying, let me do that. Let me get this for you. Can I help you? And you know, um, I know that we live in a, in a, in a community, um, in, in even surrounding communities, where, where good southern hospitality is just kind of the order of the day, by and large. But do you know that is quickly evaporating? And if you don't think it's true, just do something kind and look at the bewildered look in the eyes of the person that you're trying to help. When you just do something honest, when the cashier hands you $5 too much and change and you say, I think you made a mistake, they'll look at you like an alien. That's right. Do the, you know what Brother Gibson said Wednesday night? Do the right thing. Just do the right thing. I thought of this, and I'm going to close. If you'll stand, that'll probably help me wind down. It'll certainly make you feel better. Many years ago, Nancy Reagan said, just say no. And the pundits laughed her off the globe. They tried to make her out a bumbling idiot. But do you know there is no more truth, no more accurate way than to just say no. And so what we need to do today is say no to how we've been and yes to how we're going to be. Because you see, the ministry responsibility of Hatchman Apostolic Church does not reside behind this desk that I'm standing behind today. But it resides in this whole building. Everybody that has been buried in his name and filled with his spirit, we have a responsibility to take what we know to the world. Amen. Can we lift our hands together and would you magnify the Lord in Jesus' name. This message has been brought to you today by the media ministry of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. We pray that it's ministered to you in some way, and we'd like to take this opportunity to invite you to join us in service here at Hatchbend Apostolic. Our Sunday services begin at 10 a.m. and our Wednesday night service at 7.30 p.m. For any more information or to speak with our ministry staff, please feel free to call our church office at 386-935-2806. Or you can visit the contact link here on our website. Again, thank you for listening and we pray God's richest blessings on you and your family.